Hi, I'm Rick Anthony, and welcome to the Someone You Should Know podcast, the podcast that focuses on musicians, authors, and interesting people. We like to say we're making a difference one artist at a time. So sit back, have a cold one, and get ready to meet someone you should know. Author time on the podcast once again, and frankly, this one's for the birds. Today's guest grew up just around the bend in western Michigan. And he has a book that's showcasing the lives of a politician known as the Birdman of the Senate. Will you please welcome Will Greeley? Welcome, Will. Happy holidays to you, buddy. Thank you, Rick. I'm excited to be here today. Well, you graduated from the University of Michigan with a master's in archive administration. I have to ask you, what prompted you to choose a book about Senator George McLean as, as the subject of this project? Yeah, well, my goal in college was to become a PhD historian and either teach history or work at a presidential library like the Gerald Ford Library that was opening up when I was about ready to graduate from Michigan. Um, but life got in the way, student loans, and I got married, and I always thought I'd go back and get that PhD. Um, my father was a history teacher, so I grew up uh, at the dinner table and taking walks with my dad to talk about his favorite presidents and uh, the causes of the Civil War and World War II and so much. I mean, history was really in the fabric of my life. And so um, as I retired in 2018, I came back to my first love, and that's that's history. And then also to answer nagging questions that I've had about this man, George P. McLean, for my whole life. My middle name is McLean. I, I noticed that. <laughs> yes, and he's my great-great-uncle. Oh, you're kidding me. I was just going to ask you, what was your, your connection with him? Yes, and so I grew up asking my parents and my aunts and uncles, you know, who was this guy, McLean? Many people in my family were named after him. And the answers were very unsatisfactory. Uh, little was known about him. I think passage of time, uh, memories had dimmed. And he was a Republican of the Theodore Roosevelt variety. But my family went a very different direction. And I think um, they fell in love with Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And part of that love meant that they had a special dislike for all those Republicans who preceded FDR, uh-huh. including um, our great, my great, great uncle, um, Senator George P. McLean. And so they kind of regarded him as a little bit of a black sheep in the family um, because of his politics. Um, I think in many ways they missed out and they misunderstood uh, certainly his contribution in the area of conservation. But I wanted to learn the scope of his life, the whole arc of it. What was what was his life like in addition to this monumental achievement of helping pass um, the nation's and the world's first uh, bird protection legislation? And so I devoted um, a significant portion of my time in research and writing, found a publisher, and um, the, the book is now the result of all that effort. I think it's amazing, too. The book itself is it's titled we haven't talked about the book title it's called a connecticut yankee goes to washington and it's about senator george p mcclain known as the Birdman of the senate my wife leslie and i are huge fans of nature our backyard feeders are full for squirrels and birds of all kinds and our menards bill can attest to that <laughs> why did senator mcclain love birds so much well he grew up on an idyllic subsistence farm in rural connecticut 
He was born in 1857. So imagine the uh, world was just teeming with wildlife in the 1860s and 1870s. Um, he loved nature. He didn't like farming. He didn't like getting his hands dirty. He wanted to um, really make something of his life. Um, he lived near Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, but he loved nature. Um, and he also had a, a real spiritual connection to nature. Um, he believed that um, it was man's responsibility, people's responsibility to be stewards of nature. And as he grew into adulthood, um, he was alarmed, as many other people were, at this serious decline in many bird species. There were certain, uh, there were several high profile extinctions like the passenger pigeon. And did you know, Rick, we had an endemic parrot in the United States? No, I did not know that. With, with, uh, it would have to be somewhere down south, I'm guessing. It was. It was <laughs> called the Carolina parakeet, endemic to just the United States. But it, too, went extinct because it was hunted for its very colorful feathers um, as the passenger pigeon was hunted for food. And so he was alarmed at this decline. And many other birds were on the uh, verge of extinction, like the snowy egret the flamingo, the trumpeter swan. Uh, it became fashionable to wear feathers on hats. And so uh, for a variety of reasons, including the advent of the automatic or the pump shotgun around 1890, uh, many birds were under threat for extinction. And so with his love of birds, um, his background as a, as a lawyer, as a politician, he really wanted to do something about it and overcome the very significant opposition to curtailing or ending this um, excessive hunting of birds. There you go. Very good. Was there a specific species of bird that uh, he had fondest to his heart? I I never was able to find that. He's, he did have a speech on the Senate where he said that it might be a weakness in me, but every spring I just relish the return of the birds to my farm. And he talked uh, very enthusiastically about that. Um, he did decry on the Senate um, a fashion that he had come across, and that was a man's coat that was made out of hummingbird skins. Oh, my Lord. So this was the, the challenge facing him is it was legal. tiny little things. It would take like a couple hundred. Hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of hummingbirds had been sacrificed to make this $10,000 coat in 1910. And it was that type of excessive... Um, disregard for uh, nature, for birds that um, really um, motivated him, I think, to do something about this decline in bird populations and the very uh, strong likelihood of further extinctions. Well, the book is titled Connecticut Yankee Goes to Washington by Will Greeley, our guest today, and we're going to get more information about the book in just a second. But before we continue, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the podcast. Remind them that it's on the, available on the web at someoneyoushouldknowpodcast.com. They're going to find our recent news, our archive of past episodes, and a whole lot more. And by the way, if you're enjoying the podcast, we invite you to leave us a review there on the bottom of the first page. According to Buzzsprout, the service that shares all of our podcasts, all the streaming platforms, very blessed to reach over 1,800 cities in over 80 countries around the world. Thank you so very much. And we want to salute a couple of new cities, Benton Harbor, Michigan, also Woodstock, New York, and Delhi, India. Thanks so much for tuning into the Someone You Should Know podcast, where it's available 
wherever quality streaming audio is available. And we get back to our interview with Will Greeley. Now, Will, it, obviously, this was this took some time to put together. You had to do the research and everything. From the time you actually got the idea in your head to the idea of actually getting a published manuscript, can you give us a time from how long that took? Yeah, in 2018, uh, there was a, a lot of coverage about the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, which uh, was signed in 1918. It was on the 100th anniversary. So there was quite a bit of news coverage, including profiling Senator McLean. So that motivated me to get started. And I would say there was probably one year of research. I went out to Connecticut to do research there. I assembled a good deal of, of family manuscripts and, and memoirs that people had written about McLean. And so for about a year, I did the research. And then there was about a solid year of writing. And somewhere around 2020, I found a publisher, uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology Press. It's a university press. And then a series of peer reviews with university professors and conservationists um, went on. Uh, and then about another year of editing with them to fashion it and shape it into its final form. So in all, it's about a four-year research wow. and writing effort. That, uh, that takes a lot of love, a lot of passion. A lot of times you're probably going, I hope to God this is all worth <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yes, it was. It was a labor of love. And I really benefited from the fact that um, I had three manage three different managing editors at um, RIT Press. One retired, one left because of COVID, and then a third came aboard. And each one of them took this on as a special project to to really make it what it is today. And I think books are benefit from good editorial assistance because. Um, you know, it's it's almost that phrase. It takes a village um, right. to, to have the expertise of professional editors and people skilled in writing books really, I think, um, benefited me in the end. I am a huge fan. My wife, Leslie, and I read constantly. And, you know, yes, you've got it available on the Kindle or on your little smart device or whatever like that. I'm sorry. I like the old paper book right in front yes. of me. That is, there's Couldn't nothing compared to that. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, during my years of being on the radio, I'd get off real late at night. And I would actually grab a book and just plop myself in the tub and read for 15, 20 minutes or so like that, whatever. I might read a chapter or two, and it helps helped me fall fall asleep and everything like that. But the thing is, I woke up in the morning with the rich knowledge of what I had just before I went to bed that night. And I always wanted more and more and more. And that is one thing that has groomed me into the man that I am today. I really and truly just love reading. I love books. There's so many good books out there. It's funny. We were doing some Christmas shopping last Friday, and we spent the largest amount of our time in Barnes & Noble. You know, yeah. it's like you know, everybody loves books. Everybody loves books. Mm -hmm. So uh, so uh, if those of you who are listening that are on our Christmas list, I uh, just want to let you know, uh, you're probably going to get a book. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I got to ask you, what years were, was Senator McLean in office? He was in the U.S. Senate from 1911 to 1929. So he knew um, five presidents, advised them in the White House. I cover um, some of the major issues that he touched on. There were three constitutional amendments that he voted on. Entry into World War One was another hot button issue, um, the creation of the Federal Reserve Board. This was a time of great political reform. The nation had been undergoing decades of almost unrestrained growth and industrialization. This was the time of tremendous immigration, almost a million people a year uh, coming uh, through Ellis Island. And as a result of this almost unrestrained growth, 
there were quite a few social, economic, political, and environmental problems that resulted. Uh, and so a, a number of politicians emerged, like Theodore Roosevelt, mm-hmm. it's called the Progressive Era, who, who really were dedicated to solving many uh, pressing problems that confronted the American people. So he was part of that wave of politicians that were really focused on solving problems. And the one that he took um, to heart was this issue of uh, declines in bird population and creating lasting legal protections for birds um, going forward. They had some tough years there. It was uh, during the you say World War One and just before the Great Depression and such. What challenges did he face in the process of of, uh, of doing that? Well, the um, Senate was very opposed to um, federal protection of birds for decades leading up to him entering in 1911. And it was a seven-year struggle to get this legislation passed. And these were the primary forces aligned against him. First of all, there were hunters. Mm-hmm. And it was very popular to have what was called the spring hunting season along these different migratory pathways in states like Missouri and the eastern seaboard, um, millionaire hunters would go to these beautiful resorts and hunt during the spring um, where they were guaranteed a plentiful harvest in their hunting. However, if you couldn't imagine a worse way to treat bird populations than to hunt during the spring when birds are nesting, And if you want to accelerate the extinction of birds, hunt them in the spring. Absolutely. That was was one group aligned against um, McLean and others. The second was the fashion industry. And that was for hats, primarily for women that were adorned with feathers. You know, think of those pictures of the Titanic, um, um, you know, these flowery, uh, these showy feathers on hats. In fact, Rick, the most... um, the most expensive cargo on the Titanic were a shipment of feathers going from London to New York City, uh, valued at something like $3 million for the hat industry. Um, There were over 125,000 people employed in the U.S. making hats. And many of these were immigrant women, entrepreneurs who came from France and Germany and elsewhere, and they they were responding to this fashion trend. So that was one force aligned against him. But the most formidable opposition to the Migratory Bird Treaty Act were the state's rights advocates. They argued very compellingly that the federal government lacked the constitutional authority to intervene in state hunting laws. So this was at the heart of the challenge to overcome the state's rights objections because each state was free to pursue their own hunting laws and enforce them however they wanted. The most egregious example of a weak hunting law was the state of Missouri. They had one law relating to bird hunting, and that was you couldn't hunt on Sunday. (laughs) But otherwise, you could hunt whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, wanted, and to however much. And so it was finding a way around this uh, constitutional challenge that confronted McLean and others. And I show in the book how they did that, and it was no small feat. Yeah. In the process of doing all your research, you did a year of research and then you constantly did some rewrites and stuff. Anything that surprised you or disappointed you about Senator McLean? Well, I think what surprised me from a positive standpoint was um, how he overcame adversity in his life and had the second career in the U.S. Senate. 
Uh, he was 61 years old when the Migratory Bird Treaty Act finally passed in 1918. And in his 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, he was extremely ambitious, wanted to become president of the United States, and uh, had a career that led to him becoming governor of Connecticut. But it was a very unsuccessful term in the sense that he tried to push for social and economic reforms in Connecticut and was rejected even by leaders of his own party. So many of his opponents thought he was uh, politically finished after he left the governor's office uh, at about the age of 45. And he was a very wealthy man. He had many options in his 50s to do whatever he wanted, to travel the world or live that Jay Gatsby lifestyle. Uh, but instead, he refashioned himself. He he changed, he grew, he adapted and said, I'm going to go to the U.S. Senate. I'm going to abandon my presidential ambitions. And um, this was really well suited for him intellectually and his other gifts. And so I was impressed that he didn't just quit and live uh, the good life, uh, the, the the roaring 20s good life. But instead, he he had this this passion, this vision to go back into service and and helped accomplish this very important uh, legislation that really changed the way we in the United States and the world uh, treats birds and wildlife in general. Very nice. Very nice. Now, uh, let's go up your your family tree a little bit. You say that uh, Senator McLean is your great uncle. Is that correct? Great, great uncle. Yes. Great, great um, uncle. Very right. good. Very good. In what ways are you like your great, great uncle? You know, I've always had a love for birds um, since a very early age. Um, I've always had a love of politics. You know, even when I was very young, I remember getting a sharp pencil and a clipboard and watching the political conventions and keeping track of that. Um, I went to school thinking about a career in politics or Amer American history. And so I've always had a very deep interest in um, politics, in, in history, uh, presidency. Um, I had a goal once to read a biography, still do, on every U.S. president. And I think I'm pretty well up to that. Um, so I've always had a tremendous love of presidents. And it was, it was wonderful in this book to go through the, all the presidents that he knew and document uh, his relationships with them. Some letters that went back and forth between him and Theodore Roosevelt, for instance. So uh, I've always uh, loved politics, birds. Um, and uh, I think in some ways I, I probably got some of that um, through through the family tree. Um, and uh, so it's just, it was great to kind of rediscover the depth and breadth of his life and to see how he impacted my family in many ways. Now, a Connecticut Yankee goes to Washington. Senator McLean, The Birdman of the Senate, is your first book. Do you have another one in mind? I have thought about a book um, focusing on the bald eagle um, because one of the great uh, outgrowths of the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, a success story, shall I say, is the resurgence of the bald eagle. Um, I don't know if you know that how precarious the situation was facing eagles around 1963. It was estimated we only had about 400 nesting pairs of bald okay. eagles left in North bad. America. And it's because this federal role, this watchdog role um, through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, that efforts were made 
to bring this eagle back. We now have, Rick, over 70,000 pairs of bald eagles in the, in the continental United States. It's estimated there's almost 380,000 bald eagles now, up from just several, just a, a couple of thousand in 1963. And so I was thinking maybe I could write a book that would document how this all happened. Who are the heroes that helped bring back the bald eagle? Because I think all of us, even if you're not a bird lover, um, would want to maintain that that wonderful bird. It's our national symbol. And it's legislation that this legislation, the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, is in many ways was the legal framework in which that resurgence occurred. Uh-huh. And it was also the way that the federal government could become active in bringing that bird back. So I've thought about that as a possible next book would be to document how that happened, who the heroes were, and what kind of challenges they faced to, to bring this wonderful bird back to what we're, we see it today. Okay, once again, the book title is uh, Connecticut Yankee Goes to Washington Senator George McLean, The Birdman of the Senate, and it's a, a book from today's guest, Will Greeley. Where is it available at, Will? Because we're down to the final days before Christmas, and I know there's a lot of people that happen to have nature lovers or history buffs on their list. Where would be the best place to get them in maybe a short notice? Yes, um, the Amazon book service is probably the best way to get the book. It's also available through my publisher, the Rochester Institute of Technology Press. There are some independent bookstores in New England that are carrying it, primarily in Connecticut and Massachusetts, but I think the easiest way is uh, just through Amazon. Very good. Is it available digitally also via like Kindle? No, it's not. It's, it's just, just in paper hard. form at this paper point. Form. Yes. Okay. That's okay. That's my favorite anyways, but I know there's a lot of people uh-huh. that go the digital route and such like that. How about links right. to your social medias? Uh, uh, they're, um, well. I'm active on LinkedIn. Um, and that's my main presence. I also have a a, a website, um, simply my name, willgreeley.com. And there's a lot of links there to uh, Goodreads reviews and Amazon reviews and uh, other book reviews I've gotten and other information about me and the book. Very good. Very good. Down in the show notes, I'll have all the links to f- get a, get in touch with Will and also to purchase the book, A Connecticut Yankee Goes to Washington, Senator George P. McLean, the Birdman of the Senate. For all you bird lovers, all your nature lovers, all you history buffs out there, and that'll be down in the show notes. How about final thoughts? Well, uh, we got, we're kind of wrapping up things here. Uh, final thoughts about yourself or Senator McLean that you might want listeners to know. Well, you know, a big theme that really resonates with people, as I've talked about my book, is the bipartisan nature of this achievement. Uh, McLean formed an alliance with, he was a Republican, McLean, but he, he formed an alliance, a working alliance with then President Woodrow Wilson, who was a Democrat. And the two came together during a very stressful time in our country's history. We were in World War I. Um, we also had a global flu pandemic in 1918. And after decades of opposition, opponents were again saying, well, we're not going to do anything about birds during World War I. We're at war here. We can't deal with trivial matters like that. But McLean and Wilson came together to get this important legislation finally passed. And I think that resonates with many people, this idea of bipartisan cooperation to solve critical problems that face uh, the American people. And I think you'll see that um, how focused many leaders were at that time on solving problems and not just pointing fingers. Uh, and, and that is inspiring to me 
because I believe hit, history does repeat itself. We always think of that in a negative way. But um, I believe that uh, McLean's generation was responding to the polarization of the Civil War that preceded him. And they, they said, we're going to overcome that. We're going to bring the country together and work cooperatively to solve real problems that confront people. So I think there's a hopeful note there. And it's inspiring to me to see how people rose to the occasion in the past to solve critical problems. And it gives me hope that we can do that in the future. Very good. Once again, we're speaking with Will Greeley, author of the book, A Connecticut Yankee Goes to Washington, Senator George P. McLean, the Birdman of the Senate. Once again, if you are a history buff, a nature lover, and you've got someone on your holiday list that really and truly loves that topic, or just a good book, I highly recommend you do that. Um, I can just tell you, you exude professionalism. <laughs> and uh, it's obvious to me that you've been around the block yeah, uh, many I, times. And uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your uh, continuing this passion and allowing people like myself to get the word out on on things that are important to me. And uh, thank you so much. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. We wish you a very, very happy holiday season and a very prosperous uh, 2024. Thank you, Rick. I've really enjoyed my time with you today. Hi, this is Rick Anthony, thanking you again for tuning in to this episode of the Someone You Should Know podcast. Before I go, I want to share some friends of mine who also have a podcast. Give them a listen, and I invite you to check us out next time right here on the Someone You Should Know podcast. All right, here's my friends right now from the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Ray the Roadie. And this is Hollywood Mike with the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast, coming to you from the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum on Route 66 in Joliet, Illinois, where once a week we are interviewing local musicians and singer-songwriters, and the podcast itself covers a wide range of topics, including, but not limited to, the history of rock and roll in Chicago, the current state of the scene, and the challenges and opportunities facing musicians today. So join us every Tuesday for a new exciting episode of the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast.